Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. Welcome, my friends, to episode number 46. Yay, we're almost at episode 50. I'm excited about that. But this week, episode 46, we're going to talk about what causes imposter syndrome. So a couple of weeks ago, I held a public training on overcoming imposter syndrome and leading with greater confidence. Because what I found through my work with leaders, new managers and more experienced leaders is that Imposter syndrome shows up for so many of the clients that I work with and it really impacts their leadership, their ability to lead effectively and scale up, level up. So I decided to hold this training, but then also create a more comprehensive and structured course for all my private clients so that when we work together, they also get to learn more about imposter syndrome and they get to see if and how imposter syndrome may actually be running the show and may be holding them back. So this course will go out to my clients this week. And here's the great news. I want to offer this course at no cost to seven listeners of this podcast. So if you feel that you're impacted by imposter syndrome, want to better understand not only what causes it, and we're going to talk about that in this podcast, but also a number of different strategies to help you overcome imposter syndrome and then develop new habits and behavioral change so that you feel you're back in charge, you're taking the reins and now you're running the show and not the imposter syndrome. Because one thing I know for sure is when we're impacted by imposter syndrome, we likely overwork, we stress out too much, we have negative self-doubt that drains our energy Fear is guiding our actions. We compare ourselves to others, which doesn't make us feel any better. And we constantly feel like we'll need to learn more. But when you overcome imposter syndrome and you understand how to take charge of what's going on in your head and how you're interpreting and feeling about the things that happen in your life, you got to let go of feeling like a fraud. You'll start feeling more confident. You don't compare yourself to others. You put yourself out there a lot more. You feel more acceptance with yourself so you don't have this negative voice in your head and this adversarial relationship with yourself. Instead, you accept who you are and you're able to express yourself authentically and truthfully. You'll be able to set clear boundaries, stop overworking, delegate more, let go of that need for control that's currently running the show. It can make a huge impact not only on your career and career trajectory, but also on your life, your well-being mentally, emotionally, and physically. So there's a great deal at stake. And if you're ready right now to invest not only the time it'll take to go through the course, but also then to apply what you learn to finally overcome imposter syndrome and to lead with confidence, then check out the link in the show notes on how to apply. Now remember, there are only seven spots. So do this right away to increase your chances that you get to secure a spot. Okay. With that said, let's talk about what actually causes imposter syndrome because I already alluded now a little bit on what's the cause and how does this actually show up. 
A bit of history. So imposter syndrome was first labeled as such or identified as a thing that so many people are impacted by in 1978 when Dr. Suzanne Imes and Dr. Pauline Kant interviewed over 150 high-achieving women and they discovered that many ascribed their success to luck, to good timing, or to other people who have helped them along the way. They didn't own their accomplishments. And many people refer to it as feeling like a fraud, like being found out that they actually don't deserve the role or the job or the success. Some people talk about how they own or they bought this big house or they own this this beautiful car that they always dreamed of. And they worry that someday someone will walk up and say, excuse me, there's been a mistake. You don't actually own this car or this house doesn't belong to you. You didn't deserve this success or this money is not yours. So these women who describe that their success was due to an outer circumstance and that they don't quite feel like they deserve it, that then leads to them thinking that they need to put up this facade or this mask to pretend to be someone, to be the person who owns the success or this accomplishment, but inside they don't take ownership of it. Now this disconnect is what then was labeled imposter syndrome, feeling like an imposter. Later on, it was renamed imposter phenomenon to not make it sound like it's an illness, but the common term most of us refer to is still to this day, is still imposter syndrome. Now, after this study was published, a number of other researchers jumped on it and the theory evolved and research evolved and a lot more information was gathered over the decades. And what we've learned is that about 70% of adults have at some point or over a long time period been impacted by imposter syndrome. Now, while there are more women impacted than men, this is not gender specific. So the imposter syndrome can show up for all genders. Now, questions that often come up when we talk about where imposter syndrome comes from are whether or not it's nature or nurture and how much social media actually contributed to the problem. To address that latter one, um, so just simply by the fact that the term was initially coined in 1978, shows that social media was not the cause of it. It may have made it a little bit worse, the fact that our lives are more public and that it's easier to compare ourselves to other people and then feel like we're less than and not good enough. But that's surface level. The root cause of it has nothing to do with social media. And the question about nature and nurture is a very interesting one. The answer as we know it today is that it's probably both. Recent research published by McHill showed that there's a direct correlation between serotonin and confidence. And men, interestingly, produce 52% more serotonin than women, which may be the reason why women are disproportionately impacted by imposter syndrome and lower levels of confidence than men are. The second part that plays into this nature aspect is that we're actually hardwired to pay attention to fear and to have self-doubt running in our minds. So back when we used to live in caves and we were worrying about being attacked by a bear or a saber-toothed tiger, having fear was a survival mechanism. It prevented us from doing risky things that could have cost our lives. It made us be alert and constantly be on the lookout for dangers and threat. 
also, when we lived in tribes, it was very important for us to be part of a tribe because if we were excluded from our tribes, then we would likely die. So this desire to belong and wanting to be respected and valued actually meets one of our survival instincts because it was so important that we were included and part of a tribe. Now, in a current time, all of us still deal with fear and most of us still have self-doubt. It's part of being human in its nature, right? Now, that doesn't mean that those two things should run the show, but that then goes into the topic of how to actually overcome imposter syndrome. But let's stay with what actually causes the imposter syndrome. What's the nature aspect? And then let's talk about nurture. Nurture is about the beliefs that we formed often early on in our childhood. Now, our brains have three main objectives. One, avoid pain. Two, seek pleasure. And three, run efficiently. Running efficiently means that we're looking to make sense of the world and we're trying to identify patterns. So when we think a thought, because something happens, I'm making an interpretation that turns into a thought. And then I keep thinking that thought over and over. Our brain then quickly identifies a pattern and those patterns then turn into limiting beliefs. For example, if I got attention as a child from my parents, only when I brought home straight A's, it's very likely that my brain formulated this belief that in order to be loved, you have to be perfect. A B isn't good enough, an A minus isn't good enough, it has to be straight A's. So as we go on in life and we hold on to these limiting beliefs, we then may aim for perfection. As another example, it could be that we've learned and picked up from our parents that we have to be able to do things on our own, that when we ask for help, that that makes us look weak, that independence was really important, being able to be self-reliant. And in order to get praise for an accomplishment, you had to be able to do it by yourself. So as an adult, whenever you have to ask for help, it may evoke a feeling of shame. As if you're not good enough because you should be able to do it on your own. You should be independent and self-reliant. So asking for help is a sign of failure. Now what that does, especially if you're in a leadership role, of course, is that you might have a hard time delegating or that when you have too many balls in the air, you don't ask anyone for help and then ultimately a ball will drop and your boss or your peer will say, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you speak up? Well, the reason why you didn't speak up is because you didn't want to feel like you're failing. To someone else who doesn't have that belief, asking for help is the best thing that you can do because as a team and working together, you get more done. You can support one another. The dependencies are actually what create better results. So you can see how having these two different beliefs then turn into very different actions and therefore very different results. So that's how nurture in our brain's desire to create patterns in beliefs can foster imposter syndrome as an adult. So let me do a quick recap. We first talked about when that term was coined and by whom. We then talked about how nature and nurture can foster imposter syndrome. And now let's talk about the main reason why we feel imposter syndrome. I've alluded to it here or there already. But the key message here is that when you have a certain level of success, but your self-esteem is lower than your level of success, that gap between the outer world and the outer success and the accomplishment versus how you feel on the inside, 
The discrepancy is what creates imposter syndrome. And this is also why particularly high achievers suffer from imposter syndrome because they've achieved so much in the outer world without doing the inner work in order to evolve and grow self-esteem. So that gap gets bigger and bigger the more you do in the outer world. So the more successful you are, the bigger that discrepancy. And this, by the way, is also the reason why imposter syndrome shows up so much in the work that I do with my clients, because they're all reaching for the next level. They may have just gotten a promotion to step into their first leadership role, or they're on the path from a senior manager to director level, or they're on the path from director to VP level. And so they're accumulating accomplishments. And as a result, the gap increases. Now, that negative self-talk, the worry, the feeling like a fraud, like not deserving, like being found out, that gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so the only way to jump out of this hamster wheel is to increase your self-esteem so that you get to a place where you fully own where you are, who you are, what you've achieved, and you own your success and your resilience and your capacity to cope with challenges. Plus, you're able to not only accept where you're at, but you're also able to communicate that, to express yourself and to honor your needs and desires. And that is the real work that needs to be done to overcome imposter syndrome. Now, this is also what the course is all about that I shared with you in the very beginning of this podcast. So if you want to learn more about how to do this work in order to build up your self-esteem, then again, check out the show notes where you'll find a link to apply for one of the seven free spots. Now, they'll go fast. So do this right now. So I hope this episode inspired you to think about how imposter syndrome might be showing up for you. What kind of beliefs may be running the show and what's at stake for you, your career and your life and your well-being. Okay, that's it for now. I hope I see your name come through in the application and I'll see you next week when we'll talk more about the Myers-Briggs assessment and how the insights from that assessment can help you build self-awareness and be a better leader to your team. And as an extra goodie, you'll also get a link to take a free assessment. So make sure you're on the lookout for either my email or for the next episode that'll pop up on your podcast app. I'll see you then. Take care and bye for now. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.